we are looking at the covenant dimension of wealth. The covenant dimension of wealth. Covenants. A covenant is a deal. A covenant is what? A deal or an agreement instituted by God. Okay, I'm talking about a biblical covenant. A biblical covenant is a deal or an agreement instituted by God. Who is the originator of the covenant? Who is the originator of the covenant? Instituted by God with clear terms. With what? Clear terms. With clear terms. Sealed with an oath. Sealed with an oath. And the blood of Jesus. Sealed with an oath and the blood of Jesus. They're here. So God seals the covenant by swearing. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, because God could swear with nobody greater. There was nobody greater than him that he could swear by. To show that what he's saying is true, he will do his part. He swore by himself. Normally, the Bible says, normally somebody would swear with, with somebody greater than them. Is that okay? But there's nobody greater than God. So God said, because there's nobody greater than me, I swear by myself. If you do this, I will do this. So you can know that the covenant of God is reliable. Is what? It is what? It is what? God swore an oath. Even in court, if you lift your hand and you swear, people believe you. Is that true? People do what? Believe you. Because they know if you say a lie, there are consequences. There are what? Consequences. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So God sealed the promises of God and the covenant of, of his, his covenant with us by swearing by himself. Say here. Say here. So we can know that the covenant of God is reliable. We can rest assured that the covenant of God is reliable. What do I mean that the covenant of God is reliable? It means if you do your part, God cannot fail his part. If you do your part, God can never fail his part. He swore that I will never fail to do my part. Feel the Listen, this is good. Why is this good? Because wealth in the Bible is not a promise. It is not what? It is not what? It is not a promise. So it does not depend on prayer. You cannot pray your way out of poverty. Are you aware? <laughs> you cannot pray your way out of poverty. You cannot fast your way out of poverty. These are no promises of God. 
so they don't depend on prayer. Wealth of God is a covenant. Say covenant. Say covenant. So it, it is incumbent on me to do my part. I, and I know if I do my part, God is committed to do his own. He has sworn to do his own by himself. Are you listening to me? So because the wealth of God is not, the kingdom wealth is not a promise, anybody can get into it. If you do what is required, you will get the required results. Whether you are Christian, whether you are heathen. Are you listening? It's a covenant of God. Anybody who fulfills the part of the covenant will get wealthy. So here. So Christians are killing themselves praying for what they should be enacting their own part. You know, if the wealth of God depended on prayer, the richest people in church should be intercessors. It is true. If prayer was what was required, intercessors would be rich. But you know, this is not always the truth. Are you listening? The people of the world have discovered the covenant of God of wealth ahead of the church. And they're getting rich. Are you aware Bill Gates is not a prayer warrior? Do you know that? Bill Gates is not a prayer warrior. He's not a prayer warrior. Rockefeller is not a prayer warrior. But Rockefeller is an addicted tither. Did you know that? He's an addicted what? Tither. He's not a prayer warrior, but he has discovered the system. Say, I must play by the rules. Say, I must play by the rules. Say, I must play by the rules. The kingdom of God is run on a system of keys. Of what? Of what? Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then the next verse says, and I will give you. How will the gates of hell not prevail? Because you'll be possessing the keys of the kingdom. Say here. Say here. You need your job is to discover which key to use where. Which key to use? Which key to use? Which key to use where? Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If I go to drive my car, I don't require prayer for it to begin to respond. In fact, if I don't know what to do, I can pray till the, sun, the chicken come home to roost. The car will be there looking at me. 
Is that true? I can intercede with all tongues of men and angels, but the car won't move. What is required? A key. One new believer comes with a key. I say, Chup. Vroom. I say, hey, you are an apostle. No, they are not an apostle. It's just that they know what? The key. They are here. They are here. There are many rooms. Jesus said there are many mansions in the kingdom of God. If you want to enter one room, you must use what? The key. If you stand before the door and try to pray it down, because what you need is inside, the door won't open. Because if the door opens, God will be breaking his word. You must collect the key. And the key of kingdom wealth is revelation of the wealth. And we must know that the wealth of God, one, is not predicated on the promise of God. It is a covenant. It is what? It is what? It is what? A covenant means however much you pray, if you don't do your part, God will not move. You can pray in mother tongue and you all the languages you know, but if you don't do what is required, God will not move. Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God. You shall do what? Remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you what? Who gives you what? The power means the ability. Who gives you what? The power. To do what? To get wealth. So we learned yesterday, God does not give you wealth. He gives you the ability to get wealth. He gives you what? The power to get wealth. Why? It says there. Why? Why? That you may establish his covenant that is war to your forefathers as it is this day. So God gives you the power to get wealth because this is a covenant. He gives you the ability to get wealth as his own part of the covenant. So when you have triggered the covenant and you have done what is required, God will now supply that ability to get wealth. Say so here. Say so here. God, in his mercy, has left man to initiate every covenant. It is not God who initiates covenants. For any covenant in the Bible to be executed, the initiator is always who? The initiator is always who? Man. So there's something in that man can do on earth that triggers an activity in the spirit. It is left within the purview of man to do his part. Then God moves. Why is this? Because it is only man who has capacity to fail. So if God acts fast, God will be accused of acting, yet man is not able to fulfill his own bit. Do you understand? So for the safety of the 
of God and the integrity of his word, man must act first. So here. That's why Abraham had to give his own son so that God can give his. God brought Jesus on earth and God allowed Jesus to die as a fulfillment of Abrahamic covenant. Because Abraham killed his own son first. Now God could have permission to kill his. Are you listening? Man must act first. Man must act first. Jesus as a man, because Jesus gave his life, God could now give his life to man. Do you understand? Jesus represented man in this covenant and man acted first by giving his life. Now God had permission legally from the spirit to give man's way. They're here. They're here. So in any covenant to be executed, man must move first. Man must make the first move. Then God will make the subsequent move. The same with wealth. If you don't act, you will remain poor with your, all your intercession. This covenant is seen right from Abraham. When God, when the Bible says Abraham was rich in cattle, there's a whole verse that just tells us about the riches of Abraham. Eh? Abraham was rich in cattle, in donkeys, in manservant, in what, in what? Because of the covenant that he had with God. Say here. So the, rich, the kingdom riches come to people on the basis of covenant. It came to Abraham on the basis of? On the basis of? On the basis of? This is a good thing because now we know God is no respecter of persons. Whoever meets the terms gets the rewards. Whoever meets the terms, say God is a God of whosoever. God is a God of whosoever. It means there's no respect of persons. If you do what he wants, he will do what he says. End of story. God is a God of whosoever. So it doesn't matter where you come from. Riches is not in America. At least kingdom riches. You don't have to live here to chase seat in England. God can do it for you here. God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of places. Not, you meet the terms, he meets his bit. Abraham was rich through the covenant. We see this covenant also during the law. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, it's called the chapter of blessing. It says, if you meet the part of the covenant, this is what I will do. So in the law, we have this covenant. And majority of this covenant is Abrahamic, is its riches. Is that okay? Genesis 13, 12. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. The Bible says so. 
So riches is our heritage because we are the seed of Abraham. Are you the seed of Abraham? The Bible says the promises that were given to Abraham were given to Abraham and his seed. Who is his seed? Who is his seed? The Bible says if you are in Christ or if you are Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed. Galatians chapter 3. So whatever Abraham had, you have a right to inherit it. And you have seen Genesis 13 2 says Abraham was very rich. This is Abraham, your father. This is your family wealth. Say, I cannot be poor. Say, I cannot be poor. Even if I try, I can't. I already know too much. If you go wallow in poverty after this seminar, you will have a burden on your shoulder. You'll always be hearing my voice. True story. Wherever you'll be going, you'll be hearing, I cannot be poor. I cannot be poor. You'll, you'll be tortured, I'm telling you. Now you know too much. You are now under torture until you make it. I have put you under pressure until you explode in wealth. Everywhere you go, you'll be hearing this rough voice of mine. I cannot be stranded. Every time you want to settle down in mediocrity, you'll hear my voice. No, I think this is my portion in life. Then you hear, I cannot be poor. Banange, we must wake up. True story. Our heritage in Abraham is a heritage of splendor and wealth. Is that okay? Our heritage in the law, in the book of Deuteronomy 28, it says, and the Bible says, Christ came to fulfill the law. So the requirements of the law for me to inherit those things that I see the blessings there have already been met by Christ. Say here. Yeah. So those blessings of Deuteronomy 28 of the law are now mine. So by virtue of being a seed of Abraham, I'm already wealthy. By virtue of having fulfilled the law in Christ, I'm also wealthy. Say here. It's my heritage. It's my inheritance. I must have it. Am I talking? Even if you don't want all those, because, okay, that's Old Testament, but your big brother, your savior, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that even though he was, he was what? Rich. He became poor. Why? Why? So that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. So even if you leave the Old Testament, you say, oh, those ones, whatever, whatever. In the new one, even Jesus became poor so that you might become rich. Am I talking? You must remove poverty mentality. I am trying. You must remove poverty mentality. You must get fortified on the inside. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which grace? That he was rich, but he became poor. For one reason. Which reason? That we now, through his poverty, we might be made rich. So every time you stand up and say, May the grace of 
then you must you cannot say that and then remain poor because we have been told what the grace does. Are you am I talking? He says we know that grace. What does that grace do? That grace made him poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. So you cannot stand up and say may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with me and then now remain poor. It means what you just said is nonsense. You didn't believe it. The Bible says, everywhere you go, let the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. This is the book of Corinthians. Is that okay? And you quote this for your life. Is that true? But then you must, at the back of your mind, you must know when I am saying this, what does it mean? What does this grace do? The Bible defines what this grace does. It makes you rich through the poverty that Jesus became poor. Say here. Say here. Say here. Say here. So the power to get well that God gives you is called grace. The ability to be rich that God puts on your head. That ability is called what? 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 Say grace. Say grace. Say grace. Say the grace of the Lord Jesus. I know you now. The grace of the Lord Jesus. I know you now. I know you now. Through the poverty of Jesus, I am made rich. Through the poverty of Jesus, I am made rich. So if Jesus became poor so that you can become rich and then you are still poor, you are negating his sacrifice. By your life, you're saying his sacrifice was for nothing. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus. So if you quote, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with me and then you remain poor, it means you actually don't know the grace. For if you know the grace, you will understand that that grace made him poor so that you, through his poverty, by that grace, you might be made rich. Say, I am under grace. I am not under the law. I am under grace. I cannot be poor. I am justified by grace. I cannot be poor. I put poverty under my feet. These words must enter you and they must become to you a key. Because the key is revelation. Every revelation you get is a key. Say here. Every revelation you get is what? A key. The problems in your life are an indication where there's a gap in revelation. The problems you have in your life are an indicator of which areas in your life you have a gap in revelation. Because revelation always brings grace. Revelation of the word will bring grace. Why? Because the revelation of the word will produce in you the faith 
and the faith will result in grace. And only pana so lagarida manjim tabakalana shanarada amasotina selandisa shinamadida shilanarada. So, what is the covenant that God has given us for wealth? It is called seed, time, and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. The Bible says Noah made a sacrifice unto God of all the clean animals. And the Lord smelt the sweet smelling savour. And the Lord said, From now on, I will not destroy the earth with water anymore. But instead, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest shall not cease. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. Is the earth still remaining? Is the earth still remaining? So the only time when seed time and harvest will not be available is when the earth is not there. Is the earth still there? Is there summer? Is there winter? Then there's seed time and harvest. So God has given you seed. With this seed, you can create your future. I say God has given you seed and with this seed, you can create your future. God has given every believer ability to create their future through what? Through what? Through what? It is that seed that has your future and it is that seed that has your food. God told Adam in the, in the book of Genesis, behold, I'm giving you every seed and its tree within it and its fruit. So the, God will not give you fruit. God will always give you seed. And test you with that seed. Because your faith must be involved. So the covenant of God is the covenant of seed time and harvest. Every time somebody puts a sacrifice on the table, they have triggered God's integrity to come to them and provide ability to make wealth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 29 says, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. So how will you eat? How will you eat? Through seed. How will you eat? How will you eat? How will you eat? So Jesus came and said, do not worry what you will eat, what you will wear, and where you shall shelter. You are better than the sparrows, than the birds of the air. They don't sow seed. They don't reap. Yet your father clothes them. Question, how are you better than a sparrow? Because you have capacity, 
to sow seeds. You have, you, Jesus said, you are better than a sparrow. Sparrows don't sow. So what, you are better than a sparrow because God in his wisdom has given you capacity to create your own future. How do you create your own future? By sowing. Matthew 6, 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You can only put the seed down if you have put your faith on the covenant of God. If you have convinced yourself that the covenant of God is reliable. Say seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. Remove that page in the Bible. We didn't write it. Wait, wait. Kama utaki mambo ya kupanda mbegu enda pale Biblia urarue hiyo page. Kama andike Biblia yako. It says seed. Doesn't it say seed? What is seed? Mbegu. What do you want me to call it? Unataka niite nini? And your, your religion is satisfied. I tell me she does a third world. You're suffering from here to Timbuktu. You're broke. I'm trying to give you key. Everyone who has become wealthy in the word of God was an addicted giver. You cannot pray your way out of poverty. Chief intercessor. After you have prayed, you must sacrifice. Deliverance gives you freedom to now go sacrifice. What does deliverance do? It removes the thing that eats your seed. Is that okay? But if there's no seed on the ground, even the demons are hungry, there's nothing they eat. Uh, here. Seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. This is a covenant that God is committed to. By putting your sacrifice on the ground, you commit God in his integrity to answer. There's no one who has ever sacrificed for God and God failed to answer. Solomon sacrificed a thousand. The richest person known in biblical history was Solomon. Is that okay? It was who? Solomon. How did he get rich? He sacrificed a thousand heads of cattle. How many? 1,000. That night, God came to him and said, what do you want? Do you want riches? Or do you want this? Or do you want this? 
He said, I want wisdom. Because Solomon knew, if he gets wisdom, he'll become rich. God said, okay, I'll give you wisdom. But because you have collected wisdom, I cannot now fail also to give you riches. Because one is a subset of the other. Second Chronicles 1.6 And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. The cows were dying every minute. Katashingo. A thousand in one day. That night, God could not sit still. The thing disturbed God. The thing did what? Disturbed God. Solomon with 700 women and uh, 300 concubines. He gave a thousand, maybe one for each woman. Eh? You never know. because <laughs> That night, God got disturbed. I'm not recommending anything. Eh? Please. You know, my repatri, don't, don't, don't trend me. Say, on that night, on which night? On that night, God came, appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? So Solomon gave this sacrifice and didn't ask anything. God said, Banagi, I cannot accept this sacrifice and not return. God cannot owe anybody. Am I talking? God cannot owe anybody. God cannot be your debtor. So if you give, and God accepts your sacrifice, something must return to you. Because God cannot owe. We cannot have a situation where now God is owing you. God cannot allow, he's a king. God cannot allow such a situation. So if you put a sacrifice on the altar, God can never owe you. He is the one who said, oh, no man, nothing but love. He's the one who gave this command. So he can himself not disobey it. So here. So God cannot you. So if you sacrifice and you create a vacuum that God is now compelled to fill. Are you, am I talking? And by the way, a sacrifice is not in the volume. It is in the cost. It is not in the volume. It is in the cost. For some person, 200 shillings Two dollars is a huge sacrifice. Am I talking? For another person, 10 million Kenya shillings, 100,000 dollars, God says, you are joking. You don't value me. So people are in levels. People are in? People are in? People are in? Don't kill yourself. What is a sacrifice to you? Don't kill yourself because you saw another one give 500,000. So you go sell your house. Say here. It's not a competition. It's not in the volume. It is in the cost. What does it cost you? For a student, 1,000 shillings seed is a, huge of, is a huge sacrifice because then they are left to how will I finish semester? Am I talking? Your tithe of last year, if it was 2,000, and then God enlarges you and you're still giving 2,000, God will, kill, will hit your head.
the Bible says, one must give according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. The Bible actually says so. It says one must give according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. This is the book of Corinthians. Say, so I must give according to what I have. I must give according to what I have, not according to what I don't have. So you must not go to the bank to borrow loan. I've seen preachers tell people, go borrow loan. Come and give. It's not it's a wickedness. The Bible says you must give according to what you have, not what you do not have. So if you don't have it, don't go borrow it. Give according to what you have, according as the Lord has blessed you. But also you must get that blessing correctly because some people, they give less than what God has blessed them. And they enter into Ananias and Sapphira situation. Things start dying. So here. 2 Corinthians 8, 12 says, For if there is a first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. So don't, don't, don't cut your neck. Don't break your back trying to impress people here. If you don't have, start from where you are. Say, I must start from where I am. It is not a competition. I start from where I am. Then God will enlarge me. Men are in sizes. Life is in regions. Men are in sizes. We are not all the same size. You give according to what one has not according to what one does not have. The Bible says so. So don't go impress us by taking a two million shilling loan and come and pouring here. And now you, are, you, have a, you cannot pay your loan. Now you are a prayer item to us. Because you thought you must build the house of God. Am I talking? Wherever you are, start there. Sacrifice is not according to volume. It's according to cost. What, what has this cost you? What has it cost you? So for one person, they will give 500 shillings and God and angels will be clapping. For another, they bring one million here. God thinks they're joking. Mammon has collected their heart. They're greedy. Today, if I give God 10,000, 20,000 shillings, I'll be joking. Me, I'm joking. There are people here whose tithe is 100,000. Me, I must now give 20,000. I'm joking. Is that okay? But there was a time, my tithe, my first salary was 8,000 shillings. The figure eight and three zeros. Can you see wickedness for a whole month? I must pay all my expenses, rent, water, bathing, soap, innerwear. It must all, I must, I must budget them with 8,000. I decided the whole, this is wickedness. This thing cannot even begin to buy shoe. So, this is just all God's money. Is that okay? So I used to pay tithe 1,000. I used to pay tithe 
Then I used to buy books worth 2,000 to read. Every month I would buy books worth 2,000. They're here. And I would use 500 shillings to come to Nairobi. It was 250 shillings from Meru those, those days. So 500 to come, 500 to go. I would send money home. I think it was 2,000, sometimes 1,000 bob to my parents. How much? How much am I remaining with? <laughs> How much am I remaining? Whatever was remaining, I would look for those two kids who came here the other day and buy them chips and nyamachoma and you'd celebrate the death of my salary. <laughs> so in two or three days, I would have finished everything they have paid me. And I would go to God and say, from now, I'm in your hands. If I fall sick, I'm in your hands. If I do not eat, I'm in your hands. I would spare some money to buy matumbe. Matumbe is eggs, eh? The only thing I cooked in my house was boiled eggs. But even God took that away because the owner of the building didn't pay electricity for six months. So the whatever, I used to use this meko. You know meko? The one for round, not meko. It's called what? Coil, eh? So the stupid fellow didn't pay electricity worker cut a power. So even the meko, even the matumbia could not buy and say, okay, we'll eat the... Life moves on. But I never fell sick once in two years. Am I talking? I never saw a doctor. I never did what. I never went hungry. My clothes were looking bad, but they, they were covering my nakedness. There was a day I put the shoes I used to wear. Eh? They, used to be, they used to have soles like this. Now, what you could not see is uh, in the middle, those soles were cut, eh? The thing was plastic, so at one point it got cut. So when I would do like this, instead of bending, it would open up. It's called open heavens. So if it rained, water would enter my shoe. But we are praising God. I didn't think I was suffering at that time. You know, when you're suffering, you don't see it. Eh? <laughs> it is later when you look back and say, Banagi, how did I... It was God's, the grace of God covers you. Life is nice. I was very happy. I would wake up, we'd be having, we'd be singing with the girls, it's see you. Yeah, Mungu with my cashew. You know the way I do like this? I could not do that that time. <laughs> the love of God constrained. <laughs> the love of God restricted me. Say here. Men are in sizes. Men are in sizes. Then I made a deal with God. Then the following year, they increased my salary to 10,000. I celebrated. Faith was working. We were moving. Big breakthrough. Hallelujah. So you give according to what man has, not according to what one does not have. They are here. So you do your part in sacrifice. God does his part in supply of grace. You do your part in sacrifice and God does his part in supply of grace. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, 
at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God has ability to make every grace that is required to be supplied to you. But I say, by this I say, he who sows sparing, okay, read it with me, one, two, three. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Wonderful. One, two, three. So let each one give as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So after you have given, what will God do? The next verse tells us. One, two, three. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So when you give, God's response is grace. God's response is grace. Wisdom is a grace. Speed is a grace. Favor is a grace. So God collects all these graces and gives to you as a response to your giving, your sacrifice. So here. Because what you need in making wealth is not the wealth. It is the ability, the power to get wealth. That power to get wealth is called what? Grace. Say so here. Say so here. So when you sow bountifully, you get bountiful grace. When you sow sparingly, you get sparing grace. It's in your hands. Where is it? In your hands. So this sowing is not putting physical seeds on the ground. It's putting money. Paul said, none of the churches participated in with, with me in giving and receiving except you in Macedonia. None of the churches participated with me in giving and receiving except you. So this sowing bountifully and sowing sparingly, somebody might say, no, 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 he didn't mean money. He meant to go and farm. It's not true. Paul said, none of them. So this sowing and this reaping is actually giving and receiving. It's giving and receiving. Said none participated in giving and receiving except those people. Say I will give, but I will also receive. I will give and I will receive. I will give and I will receive. I will give and I will receive. Say here. Say here. Say here. You're learning great things. Say I cannot be poor again. I already know too much. Yes, it's Philippians. Say now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving except you only. So Philippians understood the principle of sowing and reaping. 
So sowing and reaping is not going to the farm to sow. It is giving and receiving. You understand? You understand? You understand? Philippians 4.15. Verse 16 says what? For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So they gave for Paul to buy things for himself. They gave seed of prophet's offering. Is that okay? They gave their prophet an offering when their prophet was in Thessalonica. Verse 17. Note that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. So there's an account you have in heaven, and the way to deposit in that account is to give to your man of God. So that when you are in need, you can go and withdraw from that account. And you will not find it empty because you have been putting deposits. So there's a fruit that enters your account once you participate in giving and receiving. Next to, on, on to tomorrow, we'll be looking at how do we withdraw from this account. Is that okay? How do we do what? Withdraw from this account in heaven. Verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So these people or these Philippians, they gave what? What did they give? Say a sacrifice. What did they give? Say a sacrifice. Say a sacrifice. So Philippians gave what? Say, uh, say louder. Philippians gave what? What did they do? Say they sacrificed. So they sacrificed. So verse 19. And my God, who's God? Not your own God. You see now where you get it wrong. The God of where you have put your sacrifice. Your own God already failed you. That's why you're, you're suffering. Let's be honest. The grace you carry didn't move. So you connected to a higher grace. Is that okay? So Paul said, my God. Not you. The Philippians had their own God. He was in Thessalonica. Am I talking? He said, because you have connected to this grace, now my God, the one I serve, the one who called me, shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Say here. Say here. It means you have already triggered the covenant I have with my God. And that covenant is now in motion. If truly I am called, if there's oil on my head, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Wait, so, one, if, you are, if I have not seen your sacrifice, you cannot quote this scripture. It's true. People quote this scripture willy-nilly. 
They have not triggered covenant. There's no grace you're connecting to. They just had somebody say it. So they're busy. My God shall supply. My God shall supply. You have been doing this five years. Where is that God? Landlord is still on your case. What is still happening? So you're... Can I be brutal? Your God failed. Try a higher one. Connect to grace. How do you connect to grace? Lay a sacrifice on the altar. Papa, release grace. It's just that I'm nice and I understand people have no knowledge. Is that okay? But every time I get a WhatsApp on my WhatsApp, I should say, where's the connection pipe? Where's the bandwidth? Papa, release grace. My, my so-and-so is sick. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have not been triggered. I am not feeling triggeracious. We just, I do it for free because I understand we are, people need teaching. Is that okay? But you don't connect to grace by asking. You connect to grace by putting a sacrifice. Then, no, no I, they came against me. I said, God of PFA. Uh-huh. What right do you have to call? What right? I'm a son in the house. How do we know? Where's your sacrifice? It's true. You are not a son in the house because you sat here and said, I receive. You are a son in the house because you are connected to grace. You're a son in the house because your heart is committed here and you have have sacrificed for this grace to enter your life. Then you can say, God of PFA, I am connected, do something. And something will be done. Especially financially, it will not work. I'm telling you. Papa been here. They're here. They're here. So the Philippians were qualified to have the God of Paul answer for them. Because Paul said, when I was traveling, none of these people did something for me, except you people. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent and catered for my needs. Therefore, even if you don't want it, the God of PFA will soon crush Satan underneath your feet in Jesus name they are here they are here so Paul said my God because he was the one writing but if the Thessalonians were writing they would have said the God of Paul and my God shall supply and my God shall supply and my God my people, they perish because of lack of knowledge. Sahia. Some learning. Some learning. Some learning. Say I'm learning. 
The reason is when you put an offering and you give a sacrifice here, you are creating a covenant of salt. The Bible says, and God talked to the Levites and said, all the offerings and all the sacrifices that the Israelites will give to the temple, I've given to you as a covenant of salt. I taught you this. He said to the Levites, the priests, says all the offerings that they bring, they are for you as a covenant of salt. They are for you as what? A covenant of salt. So the offering, the seed, the sacrifice you're putting on the table, they are creating between you and I a covenant of what? Of salt. So you can call upon the covenant that I have with God by election of grace. Say the selection of grace. Grace elects people. Is that okay? People don't qualify. It's, it's election of grace. That grace justifies people. Is that okay? But that grace is not for that man. It's for the people around him to connect to. Is that okay? Through covenant of salt. How do you put covenant of salt? By putting sacrifice. Where is that scripture? Why people are asleep? said all the offerings that the Israelites will bring I'll give to you as a covenant of salt oh numbers 1819. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendant with you. He was talking to the priests, Aaron and the Levites. He said, when people offer, I have given these things to you. That's why Paul said, you brought for my necessities. Say here. But it creates what? A covenant of salt before the Lord. Which means it binds me and you. So you can call upon the grace that I carry. Say here. Yeah. Say covenant of salt. Covenant of salt. So God said in um, the book of Jeremiah. I want to begin to close. Chapter 30, I think. He said... If you cannot stop my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, said unless you can end my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, then will I halt my covenant with David. My brother. So the covenant of God is reliable forever. It's reliable. So long as you see the day. If you wake up and see the sun, you know the covenant is in force. When you sleep at night, if you look outside and you see the moon, you know the covenant is in force. Jeremiah 33 verse 20 says, That said the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will be not be day and the night in their season. Verse 21. Then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. What covenant is this? 
What covenant is this? How do we know? Because the Bible says David was given the throne of Israel and his sons forever through a covenant of salt. And the priests have been given the offering forever through a covenant of salt. So God says, so long as there's day, so long as there's night, you know that covenant is in force. Whoever can break that covenant must first of all make sure there's no day and there's no night. So long as you can see day and you can see night, you know if you put your offering here, you're going to get rich. Ah. So long as you can see day, you wake up and you see the sun. So long as you can look out and see the moon, it is night. You know if I put my offering on that altar, God will trigger his covenant and he will answer for me. In Jesus' mighty name, I see you overflowing in wealth. I say, I see you overflowing in abundance in the precious name of Jesus. I see you overflowing in abundance in the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. He said, if you can break my covenant with night, you are a witch. If your witchcraft can break your covenant of night, if your witchcraft can break covenant of day, then you can stop me getting rich. But if there's still day and there's still night, you can jump around naked, you can walk on brooms, you can do whatever you're doing, you cannot do anything about where God is taking me. Say, I'm getting rich and nobody can do anything about it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I have triggered the covenant. The covenant is in motion. I am going to the top. Let us meet at the top. In the name of Jesus. And this alitaina. Rito pridosa kanana. Wow. I receive. So you're not going down. Your life will not be wasted for the fudu. Your life will explode like a volcano. Why does God bless you? Number one, God blesses you for you to be a blessing. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. So the primary purpose of God's blessing in your life is not to consume. Is to bless others. Is to do what? In fact, God will bless you speedily if He can trust that you're going to be a conduit for blessing to other people. God will withhold blessing from you if your sole purpose is to consume it. The Bible says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. So that you can consume it on your own lusts. Say here. But according to the covenant with Abraham, and this is the covenant we have through Galatians, God said, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. The primary purpose. James 4 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. But if you're asking for the kingdom of God, God will release it speedily. 
but you must be sincerely asking for the kingdom of God. Not trying to put God in box. God, give me. I will give to your kingdom. I love my man of God. I'm willing to do anything. Then God gives you, mm, my car. Whatever God gives you, you are a steward. God can call on it anytime. You must say, I must hold things loosely. You must hold things what? You must not grow attached to wealth. You must hold it very. Because God can call on it anytime. This car, you are saying like eternal life. God can say, take this. Drive it. I'll tell you where to stop. You drive. You reach Kajiado. Take right corner. Stop. There's somebody I'm sending you away. Then you see a choir. Mungu yumema. Mungu yumema. I say, you see that man in red? Eh? He's the preacher. Give him your car. Call Uber. Eh? I rebuke every devil in the vicinity. The Bible says I will not hear another voice except the one of God. God can call on it anytime. And when God is testing you with wealth, he will call on it just to see how do you react. God will give you two million and say take 1.9, take to church. What do you mean? Do you know how hard I've worked for this? How long I've been waiting for this breakthrough? God is, is uh, I rebuke every wicked witch. You have been planning, making big plans how you are going to build house. God said, no, this is not for house. Send this one to uh, Dadab. Huh? So I'm not Father Christmas. I didn't uh, create this chaos in Somali. The Bible says, let the dead bury their dead. You got scriptures for God. Why? Because you are holding this thing too tightly. It has consumed you. Anything God gives you, you are a steward. You are what? Say I'm a steward. Say I'm a steward. So you must hold it loosely because God can call it anytime. God wants you. Say so here. They are here. Now, your giving must be flowing out of your love for God and his house. Very important. Your giving must be flowing out of what? Your love for God and his house. Not any other reason. David said, because of my love for the house of God, I have given of my own treasures. Then he counted what he had given. Because of my love for the house of God. David loved the house of God. So he gave to build it. He didn't give God so that God can make him rich. He gave so that the house of God can be built. They are here. So even though we teach giving, we are not teaching you to do, to make God a transactional God. The giving must be out of a relationship of love. If the love element is missing, you will give until you are blue in the face. God will not move. I can tell you for free. And this is a missing element in Christian giving. You don't love God. You don't love his servant. You don't love his house. You're just coming to put there and think God is a fool. He's a automaton. You'll give in the camera. 
it, uh, it, it will um, short call money. It's not true. It says, because of my love of the house of God, I have prepared with all my might for the building of the house of God. So the giving of David was a love thing. Say a love thing. So a love thing. So your love must first of all be in place before you start giving. You must check your heart. Where am I with the house of God? Where am I with the man of God? Where am I with the kingdom of God? Then your giving will work. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Many of the givings we give is going useless because there's no love mixed in there. It is not flowing out of love. The Bible says, and Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon did what? Solomon did what? Solomon did what? So the giving of Solomon, God knew Solomon is giving because he loves him. Not because he wants things. A lot of our giving is giving in selfishness. We are trying to play God. We are playing, trying to put him, especially this prophetic thing. People think I can, my heart can be dark like anything. I just go and place money and God will bless me because God is some computer. He doesn't know what he's doing. Eh? You, are, you can now put God in box. You're foolish. Am I talking? You can't put God in box. Your heart must be in it. Your heart must be. Solomon loved the Lord. Then his giving produced. David said, because of my love for the house of God, I have prepared with all my might for the building of the house of God. You, your heart is far from here. The only reason you're here is because of your problems. You don't care about God's problems. He said, what solution? Okay, it is giving. How much? Okay, choo, 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 choo. sacrifice. Okay, let me add another 5,000 because now I must feel something. First Chronicles 29, he said, now for, my, for the house of my God, this is David talking, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for the things. Why? I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. I prepared with all my energy. God told David, I know you love me. You love my house. And because you love me, you have done well. God told David, you have done well, but you will not build a house for me. Your hands are blood. I know I've seen your heart. You love me. But your hands have blood. You will not build a house for me. So David said, even though I will not build Banange, but I will prepare the things. I will make everything ready so that when Solomon comes, he has an easy time. My hands have blood, but I can prepare. At least I can do something. You, you are trying to do the bare minimum. What is it I must do so that God blesses me without uh, suffering too much loss on my side? Nonsense. You will get nothing. Paul said, even if I give my body to be burnt, but love is not there, I receive no profit. It profits me nothing. You must love God. I said you must love God. I said you must love God. I said you must love God. 
if the love of God, the love of his house, the love of his kingdom is absent, your giving is null and void. If you're coming to put an offering here and you hate me, go to another church. You're wasting your money. Can I advise you? We, we are ready. We can donate you somewhere else. If you're putting offering here and you have issues with me as a man, as the head of the... Please, there's a church here. I don't know which, which is the other nearest one. I'm sure even in Nairobi, there's one. Even in your stadium here, there's a church they meet. I'll personally escort you, donate you to that man of God. I say, this one, there's an issue with his heart. But with the heart, we donate bountifully. Receive. And we... So here. So your heart must be correct. You must not be here and have other agendas. Then you think you can give here and it will, work, it will not work for you. Please don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Here is the road. Walk ye in it. Go somewhere where you can actually respect that person and love that person. Say here. Because the only God you are going to see here is me. Did God appear to you somewhere? For you... Solomon gave at the altar, but it is God who appeared at night. It's the priest who received the offering. Is that true? But it's not priests who appeared to him, it's God. I'm teaching good. I'm teaching good. You must love, the Bible says, obey your father and mother in the Lord. <laughs> Who is your father and mother in the Lord? It's me. Ah, it's me now. <laughs> if you're here, it is. If you're watching, Nemua. Mina, it's true. So if I say something and you're obeying some fellow in Nigeria, you are foolish. It won't work. It's true. That's why people are suffering everywhere. It's lack of knowledge. Honor your father and mother in the Lord. Who says so? I think it's the book of Colossians or Ephesians or something. So you know you must love me by fire, by thunder. This is so nice. I like it this way. <laughs> then it will be well with you. After you have obeyed your father and mother, the natural one, the Bible also says you must do that. Eh? It says you must not take what you're supposed to give to your natural father, to your natural mother, and give it to the church. And say now, whatever I was supposed to give you, it is now reserved for God, it's holy. People say God will not accept that also. You understand? So you must make sure your natural father is taken care of. Your natural mother is taken care of. You must make sure your spiritual father is taken care of. Your spiritual mother is honored. Am I talking? Then it will be well with you. It will be well with you. It will be well with you. Your giving is not hindered. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Ephesians 6 2. Colossians say, Obey your parents in the Lord. So here. 
they are here. They are here. So the only prerequisite that you must, you must have is love. Say love. love. Say love. love. Your giving must be given in love. You cannot be gossiping all day. Then you come here and say, I have given. Rebe, 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 I must receive. You will not receive nothing. Go buy chips. I see you going to the top. By the operation of the covenant dimension of giving, I see you going to the top. You're heading straight to the top. In the precious name of Jesus, your giving will produce grace. Your giving will produce grace. Your giving must produce grace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. After you've given, you must water your seed. You must water your seed. The Bible says, washing of the water by the word. So what you say in your mouth must be consistent with what you have given for. Because the seed in reality is the word. The seed is? The seed is not really money. Money is a container or an expression of faith. But the seed is the word. So your word must be in conformity to your seed. Don't put your seed on the ground and you start saying things. Economy is hard. You're operating under a different economy. You must say things like, I can never be stranded. I have my seed on the ground. My seed is buttressing my footsteps. Say here. Say here.